from American Awakening, this is Signs of Life. Hello, 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 America and the world. we got the American Awakening squad coming to you from all around the U.S. We're so grateful for you coming to join us every day on podcasts. We've now been doing this every single day since the coronavirus shut down our part of the world. And we're coming to you every single day until, until it's time to get back out there a little bit more. Maybe soon, maybe soon. Uh, but for now... We're here because we love you, because God loves you. God's got a big purpose for your life, and uh, we know that, and we want to share that with you every single day. So we are going to bring you a word from our house worship leader, Josh Jacob. Uh, Josh, what do you have for us today, friend?
Thank you, Josh. Amen. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, it's a tough day uh, to show up and and uh, you know speak about faith and hope and love and light and life um, with the pain uh, that rests in our hearts and the sense of a fabric torn. We're going to talk today about repairing the fabric, um, led by our uh, fearless one, uh, Marissa, in light of. The Christian Cooper and George Floyd stories, which are which are so prominent, and and you know it's just um, you know it defies um, language sometimes, you know, which is when it defies language, uh, we're going to try to put some language to it, but when it defies language, you know, you're kind of left with the "Come, Lord Jesus, come" bit of it all to set all to right, um, because we know that the at the end of this story, um, those who have been victimized will get justice; those who are who have been harmed. Um, you know, we'll receive um, a special place, and God's grace and love is is big enough for all the pain that's come before it um, in all of human history. Um, and 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 in certain moments, we just live for that day because we don't have we don't have other good words to put to it exactly. So, that said, with my wonderful band of five friends here, and six including Dan Hazeltine and our special musical guest today, Sarah from Nashville. We'll try to share some thoughts on this, these subjects and others. So that Florida and for the Daily Dose, uh, Joel Searby. Hey, everybody. Coming to you with your Daily Dose. Our goal with the Daily Dose is some light and life and hope. And as John said, uh, some days are just harder than others to feel that. And uh, today I find myself thinking about the way that we're wired to live in relationship and, and how that connects with our own selfishness. You know, there is a certain reality that our emotional, mental, spiritual health is connected to this, this uh, concept of being in relationship. Science has affirmed it. God created us that way. But the problem is we're so dang self-centered that we can't do it sometimes, or we're not very good at it, or we just mess it up. And we focus on our own stuff, and we forget to, to love others and focus on others. And, you know, in a day like today, it's particularly hard to balance feelings of our own very raw emotions. Wherever you're at, whoever you are, whatever you're experiencing, uh, there's a lot of tough things out there. And those emotions need to be felt and they need to be dealt with and they need to be addressed. But it's that's a fine line, I think, between that and between letting all of our own stuff and our own priorities and our own desires own us to the point that the great paradox is when we focus only on getting our needs met, dealing with my stuff, we actually become miserable. And we make those around us miserable. We end up pushing them away and we drive up, throw up barriers between us and the people that we need so badly to help us get through. I know this because I've done it. I have done it so many times for my selfishness, my pride, trying to get what I want, focusing on what I want, my problems, my worries, how I feel, that I end up putting up big walls between myself and others. If I would have just kept those down and allowed myself to focus a little bit on other people, that would have been a key for me. That's the way of Jesus. And so... In a time like today, you know, I don't want this to sound tone deaf because listen, I mean, especially as a white male in America, I need to lay aside everything that I think I want or I need or some privilege that I should have when I see my brothers and sisters of color losing everything around a system that is just simply not right. And so for me especially, and I'm speaking especially to my, my majority brothers and sisters, we have to be very careful about following the way of Jesus that says, I'm going to lay down what I want for the good of others, not only going to focus on my own stuff, but I'm going to be a disciple in the ways that says putting others before myself is actually the way that I find real life. 
So beyond that, all I can do is say, Lord, help. Help us. If we're supposed to be like you, Jesus, putting others before ourselves, help us figure out how to do that today. That's the Daily Dose. Back to you, John. As Anne Lamott famously said, the two best prayers are, thank you, thank you, thank you, and Lord, help us, help us, help us. Um, sometimes it's just, you know, breaking it down to the simple, right? And uh, sometimes there's a lot, not a lot more you can say about it all. So thank you, Joel. I appreciate that very much. Uh, Jeff, Bethke, I'm guessing that you got a new fresh haircut? I did. Thankfully, I haven't had as much of a hair crisis as other people because I cut my own hair. But because of everyone else's hair crisis, I let it go a lot longer because I could just blame it on that, that I was just in solidarity with everyone else. Um, something to chew on for today. I actually just wanted to continue the conversation yesterday. I thought it was pertinent, obviously, given current events and uh, the stuff we're talking about today, but I also was planning on it anyways, just because I couldn't fit everything I wanted to say in yesterday. And that research is compelling and there's a lot to it, but it's still pretty simple too, that those belonging cues and what that has to do with how we do create solidarity, how we do create stronger relationships, how we do create these team dynamics and, and how it pushes against division, which is what we need, right? We need this, this unity, um, this solidarity, this connection, these social connections and these belonging cues are one of many ways to successfully keep inching forward in that and how these are actually higher predictors than any other thing, you know, instead of, I think they talk about, you know, compared against intelligence, compared against certain skills, um, the belonging cues, like, you know, intense eye contact, not intense in like the, you know, angry way, but just very serious eye contact, body language, body proximity, whether you're facing another person, constant touching, hugs, handshakes, pounds, stuff like that. Um, actually really communicate over and over again that, man, I'm here for you. We are safe. We are together. We're in relationship. Now, two quick studies that I didn't get to yesterday uh, that just are, are insane how simple they are, but how profoundly crazy they are. There was one study where uh, this thing, the same group, the you know, you know MIT, I think, Human Dynamics Relationship Lab or whatever it was called, uh, did this one where they, two scenarios, right? It's raining. They have someone go up to a stranger and say, can I borrow your cell phone? Same exact scenario for scenario two, except they say, oh, I'm sorry about the rain. Can I borrow your cell phone? Literally all that's different is just the person just kind of in a small moment of solidarity and empathy said, sorry about the rain. Can I borrow your cell phone? 422% more likely to get the, the stranger's cell phone to borrow it, to use it, if you just say you're sorry about the rain. I mean, that's insane. Like if it was 10% or 20%, we would be like, oh yeah, that's that's compelling. 422% more likely for the stranger to give someone their phone for them to use it if there's just a small moment of connection, right? Another one was hospitals. Uh, hospitals did this study where I think there was like 800 people that had attempted suicide. And in the six months following them, you know, sending them back out into the real world, they sent half of the group just a letter that was like three or four sentences that just said, hey, we miss you. We so appreciated having you here with us. If you need anything, we'd love to talk. And we're here just to check in on you. And that 400 people that got that letter were half as likely uh, to retry or recommit uh, suicide and be readmitted to the hospital, which that's insane that just a little letter saved, you know, countless lives. And I just think, man, what if, to me, that's encouraging because to me, it realizes, man, every day, like it's, I don't have to be crazy intelligent. I don't, I don't need to feel numb and paralyzed by having all the right resources and all the particular things. But if I can just lean into every image bearer in front of me with small moments of empathy, love, connection, um, and unity, it actually will have a profound effect and ripple effect in our societies, our neighborhoods, our workplaces. It's certainly not the only thing that'll take it to solve it, but I think if we do that, we'll certainly level up to another level that I think is really helpful. So that's something to chew on for today. Back to you guys. Thank you, Jeff. It doesn't solve everything, but it does uh, 
take care of something which is actually in your control, right? And all we've got is what's in our control. And uh, sometimes that's that's humbling that uh, we don't have much, but but it is something. And appreciate your you giving us that uh, good word of of uh, how we establish connectivity, uh, whatever our differences are. The rain is falling on, on us all, right? Rain's falling on the just and the unjust and the black and the white and Latino, Asian, the rich and the poor, whatever. So if you say, hey, I'm sorry, we're in that rain. Well, it's real no matter who you are, where you are, whatever time you're in, right? So, all right. So we're going to go over to uh, Calvin and WOW. So that's happening. And then uh, in short order, over to uh, Marissa for our repairing the fabric discussion for today. All right, so first off, as uh, more places across the US offer people a chance to shop or dine inside, there are actually 17 states, including Georgia, Arkansas, California, and Alabama, where the number of coronavirus cases is actually trending upward. So the center, um, US Centers of Disease Control and Prevention, they recommend wearing face masks when it is hard to stay socially distant. But some Americans have resisted wearing a face covering, arguing that adhering to mask wearing rules feels like a forfeiture of their freedoms. Also, schools are expected to reopen in the fall, but a large number of teachers and students may not be there. An exclusive USA Today and Ipsos poll, one in five teachers say they are unlikely to go back to school even if their classrooms reopen in the fall, which could lead to a potentially massive wave of resignations. Um, 83% of teachers say that they're having a harder time doing their job right now, and two-thirds say they they haven't been actually able to do their jobs properly uh, since they had to start teaching remotely. A separate poll of parents uh, with at least one child in grades K through 12. So six and 10 say that they would be likely pursue a at-home learning option instead of sending their kid back in the fall. And 30% of parents say that they're actually very likely to do that. So Cliff Young, who's the president of Ipso, said that as our world has changed, almost everything we do has changed, including the way we view and approach education. And lastly, Uh, The pandemic EBT, which is the emergency food program Congress created two months ago to curb child hunger due to schools closing, has reached only 15% of the 30 million children it was intended to help. So the program aims to compensate for the lack of school meals by placing $5.70 per child every lost school day on electronic cards that families can use in grocery stores. But collecting lunch lists from thousands of school districts, uh, transferring them to often outdated state computers, and issuing specialized cards has proven much harder than envisioned, uh, leaving millions of needy families waiting to buy food. So millions of families are expected to receive payments in the coming weeks. Actually, 16 states still lack federal approval to begin the payments. Utah actually declined to participate, saying it did not have the administrative capacity to distribute the money. But so vital are these school meals. In some places, states are issuing replacement uh, benefits in waves to keep grocers from being overwhelmed. Uh, In a survey of mothers with young children by the Brookings Institution, nearly a fifth said that their children were not getting enough to eat. Uh, It's a rate three times higher than the worst of the Great Recession. So... There you have it. Um, A few very challenging stories today of what is going on out in the world, but it also leads us right into our discussion topic of the day. So over to you, Marissa. Thank you, Calvin. Yeah, we've got we've got a lot of disturbing things going on uh, in our world. 
And anyone who's paying attention can see um, that there's just unrest everywhere. Yesterday uh, was actually a pretty big day for people, um, especially a few folks who were losing their jobs because of videos circulating around online showing really just uh, some difficult ways, some hard truths about the way that we're treating one another. Um, In New York, this first video in New York on Memorial Day, uh, a white woman named Amy Cooper retaliated against a black man uh, named Christian Cooper. Interesting, they both had the same last name. Met up um, in Central Park. They were in a section of the park where all dogs are supposed to be on leashes. Amy didn't have a leash for her dog. Uh, Christian, I guess, asked her to leash her dog because he was watching birds. And uh, I guess the birds, when you're watching them, can be disturbed by the dogs running amok. So he asked her to leash her dog. Um, she refused. Um, and in this video that he took, she uh, she said she was going to call the police on him um, and she was going to say that there's an African-American man threatening my life. Uh, so she did call the police. She did say all that. Uh, the video shows a whole lot. Um, the police came, determined that, no, that really there'd just been some sort of exchange between them. The guy, Christian, took the video, posted it online. Since then, Amy has lost her job. Apparently, I just read in recent hours, she's lost her dog and uh, she can't go back to Central Park, which is an interesting thing. Uh, but she told CNN um, yesterday that uh, she was scared. She said, I think I was just scared. When you're alone in the park and you don't know what's happening, um, I know it's not excusable, it's not defensible, but when you're alone, it's absolutely terrifying, right? Um, That video has been seen by more than 20 million people. uh, And her employer, Franklin Templeton, said, well, they actually tweeted. uh, They tweeted online yesterday that, uh, that she's fired because they don't tolerate any racism of any kind. Christian, actually, he spoke to the media as well. And uh, after she said that she was terrified, he said, well, we live in an age of Ahmaud Arbery. This is why he videotaped it. He said, where black men are gunned down because of assumptions that people make. And I'm just not going to be a part of that. I'm not going to participate in that. That was one story. The companion story over the last 48 hours is the death of uh, George Floyd. I'm sure a bunch of you have seen about that. Um, Both government officials and Minnesota locals have been expressing outrage about the video that shows a white police officer uh, with his knee on George's neck. Uh, George was repeatedly saying um, that he couldn't breathe, he couldn't breathe, he couldn't breathe. He started calling for his mother and saying everything hurts. Uh, Eventually, the officer did take his knee off of his neck, um, I guess four minutes after George stopped being responsive. Um, And so there's a question about whether he died right there on the ground. Um, They definitely pronounced him dead uh, at the hospital when he got there. The four officers who were involved in that um, altercation, they've all been fired. Uh, the the mayor, the Minneapolis mayor, Jacob Frey, tweeted on Tuesday that they were fired. He also said on Facebook, being Black in America should not be a death sentence. Whatever the investigation reveals, it doesn't change the simple truth, which is that he should be with us this morning. I believe what I saw and what I saw is wrong on every level. 
Apparently there was a lot of rain in Minneapolis last night. So there were protests, um, more lines of police came out. I guess they fired tear gas and projectiles at folks protesting and there were skirmishes all night. So yeah, just two cases of a bunch of unrest. Again, we know there's a lot going on. There's a lot that's making that harder for people. I mean, those cases would be hard in a lot of different times. Now, people can't get food, as we heard in an earlier story. A lot of people are out of work. There's a lot of stuff going on. So uh, a lot of people on all sides of this are not going to take this lying down. Now, on yesterday's show, we talked a lot about the need to tell the truth and offer grace if we're really going to try to rebuild our country, try to rebuild trust that could lead to rebuilding our country. Um, And we, all of us on this show, are a part of a burgeoning movement called American Awakening for anybody who's tuning in for the first time. Uh, We're all about combating divisiveness uh, and fear and anxiety. And we're really trying to match that with the truth that there's purpose uh, for all of us here, that we're all supposed to be together, and uh, that all of us as image bearers together uh, have more for us than, um, than we do apart. So anyway, guys, we are, we're people of faith. We're Christians. We're believers. We are the church. We all know after many weeks of not being at church buildings that we're the church. The church building's not the church. We're the church. What do we say? What can we do? Where do we feel led as, as uh, folks of faith? I mean, one thing, there's so many places to go with it, but I feel like one thing we don't tend to talk about, and you kind of mentioned actually, is that that's the, what was her name again? I forget, but who said she was like fearful, right? I, I think the the hard part about this conversation is that that's the problem, that there is like this unjust inherent fear of black skin, particularly black males, that tends to exist in our society that, I don't even know how to say it, but that that it's not very trackable. It's like this subconscious, you know, kind of ethos that's sadly been put into our unjust system that is almost behind sometimes all the things that then come out, right? Uh, that that tends to just put people on different wavelengths, that, that puts them on edge. It puts them in a particular kind of track of mind. And I think particular as followers of Jesus, that is, is, is so squarely in the bullseye of what the scripture is destroying in regards to fear. Like we, we don't operate in fear, right? And as, as people of peace and and people who see, you know, image bearers and, 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 um, and yeah, and all those different types of things. And, and one thing I, I, this is, I guess, unrelated, but related that I always try to correct anytime that it's super annoying. Anytime you see it in Christian spheres is like the, is the terrible theology of, you know, that God wants us to be colorblind, that that's somehow the solution, right? When it's like, no, we clearly see in Revelation that, that the vision at the end is actually, is, is distinctly multi-ethnic, Right. And so that is what we're actually we're tr- like calling uh, celebrating the multi-ethnic, multi-generational aspects of what God is calling us to is actually part of the solution. Not trying to say, oh, don't look at race. That that's some that's that's a weird flattening, caricaturized, terrible version of, of justice that that I don't think God is pointing to. The scriptures aren't pointing to. And so there's so much more you can go into. But I think those are the few things that I was just kind of sparking in my head as you were talking. Hmm. Just real talk. I think there's a um, one. I am I'm encouraged by the amount of people of faith that I've seen over the last 24, 36 hours. I've been surprised. Yeah, right, actually, yeah, right. Su- surprised and encouraged um, that people who just kind of sound like they've they've had it with this. And again, this isn't this isn't just uh, people of color, but a lot of folks who feel like you know what, like it's time for a new narrative. And I'm kind of ready to get behind anything 
that can help us see people the way God sees people and treat people the way God would have us treat people. Um, And so that's why, again, this question that I'm posing to us as people of faith is because, one, we supposedly have a shared foundation in, in Christ, in the Word, in the way we're supposed to be viewing people, the loving our neighbor as ourselves. Um, whoever that neighbor is, that neighbor most times is not going to look like you, is not going to sound like you, is not going to think like you, but the mandate doesn't shift uh, depending on how different they are from you. Um, But I think, again, nothing is by chance as far as I'm concerned. I don't believe God has been taken by surprise at this. I don't think the timing of this and everything that's been coming out from Ahmad the past few weeks to now, and I'm sure whatever's coming, I don't think anything is by chance. I think that as we are at a rebuilding stage, in this country and in the world. I think we're being faced every day with these questions of like, okay, we might wanna think we wanna go back to a place that's comfortable, but we might actually have an opportunity to go someplace new that might be better. And it might be a little uncomfortable getting there, but if we've ever had a time in the last 20 years when there's a lot that needs to be rebuilt and everybody gets that, maybe now's the time to actually shift some things and to start with the church. You know, the reason why I love uh, partnering with you, Marissa, is that, um, as we say in our little movement, um, you know, you're the person that um, has got the uh, night goggles on, the ones that are infrared and however dark things are out there, like somehow those, you know, the ones at the military grade, you know, seeing in darkness night goggles and you're seeing in darkness um, light on the other side. And, and that's why you're such an inspirational uh, leader and why working with you is such a pleasure. I would like to believe what you're saying. Um, and, and of course, you know, you, you, you know, I'll do whatever I can do in my power uh, to make that true. Um, you know, all, all of us have, have committed ourselves to this path. And yet, you know, just the echoes of our even recent history, um, you know, in these, this moment, um, we talked yesterday about truth, right? And, and mm-hmm. we're big believers in truth. And, and yet the, the falsehoods that our leaders tell us every day are, are so profound, you know, across the spectrum, uh, certainly across the political spectrum, um, you know, but, but um, we don't like to get political here. But, but the, again, the echoes of history, you know, we have a, a president who has um, doubled down, uh, tripled down, quadrupled down on his Central Park Five, um, you know, folks should die in 1989 claims. Um, which, you know, have been proven demonstrably false. It was adjudicated to be wrongly accused. And, and yet our sitting president, you know, will, will restate that those um, young black and Latino men in Central Park, right where Amy Cooper was, um, should have been killed. And, and so, um, you know, at some point we'll throw off the false narratives. At some point we'll, we'll stand against untruths. At some point we'll say, we are interested in investing ourselves in what is right and true. And that will take, you know, people of each tribe standing against the falsehoods, particularly of their own tribe, whatever that means. I mean, I don't mean tribe in a specific way, but like the people that you may be associated with, you know, the people, those are the people that you're best equipped to say, hey guys, that's a falsehood, um, whatever that might be, because you've got at least some implied standing to some degree. Anyway, I would love for your point to be right. I will live... Uh, my life in commitment to the principle, uh, Marissa, that you articulated. So I'm, I'm with you in effort. Um, I'll try to be with you in the spirit. Well, th- thank you. I mean, again, this what I'm thankful for is that this ain't my truth. 
I'm thankful that uh, that the Jesus way of seeing people is way bigger than me. I'm thankful, as we all know, right? This is, is uh, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. This is that old magic. This is that old truth that we collectively, this radical us that we talk about, this all of us together around the throne, this purposeful variety of people, God loves this, and he's for this, and he's with this. And the longer that we fight this, we're separating ourselves from not only seeing each other, but from actually seeing God in full. And I got to say, that's the part that actually scares me, right? Like, we all get the whole, like, people-to-people thing and fighting for all of our reasons. I get that. But if you're telling me that it's only when we see all of us together that we can actually see different parts of God, we see the fullness of humanity, we see more and more of God, that if we don't see each other, we're cut off from seeing elements of God, Lord help. Yeah. You're right. It's, it's, you know, there's something set into all of our hearts, which is greater, greater than the darkness that stands against us. And it is set in our hearts and it will overcome eventually. Um, So that is true. The ancient magic will prevail. It's time for all of us. It's okay if you don't know how to eradicate racism off planet Earth. Welcome to the club. Okay, check, you know, but it's, it's time that we say like, guys, God loves us all Mm. and we need to walk that way. Mm. Yes. Joel, your point, Jeff, your point, like, yo, we we will we will all give up, we'll all share, we'll all come to more th- th- there's gonna be a give and take so that humanity can live. But like everybody deserves to breathe, y'all. Everybody. What you're saying is own that territory, claim that territory, believe in that ancient magic, the truths you spoke about, about God's uh, love for each one of his children on the planet. Um, you know, whatever their differences are, wherever they come from, whatever the experiences are, et cetera, et cetera. And if if you are called to be another, you know, MLK, if you are called to be a freedom fighter in this moment, if you are called to to rise up and do that, rise up and do what God's calling you to do. If if that's not it, that's okay. But let's let's be clear on some on some key things that can allow us to walk together as one. Yeah. Thank you. Um, before we turn it over to the music, there's an a fitting scene from a movie. Go figure, Marissa picked a fitting scene from a movie. Uh, Go ahead. Yeah, great line again. This is a good movie as well. And without further ado, Hotel Mumbai. This is my, this is my burglary. Since I was a small boy, I've never gone outside without it. While we are in this hotel, you are my guest. And I am your staff, so if it would make you feel Comfortable, I will take it off. No. I'm just scared. We all are. To get through this, we must must stick together. I don't know if anybody's seen that out there, but you know that that movie is based on a true story of you know of terrorism in a in a hotel and a lot of different kinds of people having to come together to figure out how they're going to get through a big ambush overnight and. Uh, Again, that's that's not taking place in America, but that's some cultural clashes there. People who are not together normally, and they got to figure out how to come together to, to live and thrive. All right, over to you, Dan and to Sarah. Looking forward to having you with us. The show is so yours. So good to be with you guys. I'm always reminded that that the human condition means that we will try to control or destroy the things and the people that we don't understand. 
uh, because we're afraid. And it, the hardest thing in the world feels like to be able to say, hey, I'm afraid. Um, and then to confess that and, and, and move forward in relationship. Uh, it seems like the easier path right now is violence and injustice. And that's incredibly unfortunate and horrible. So we're with you here in Nashville. Um, we have a great musical act today. I'm, uh, you know, how, how many times can I say it that I'm just always amazed at the, the music we get to have on this show? Today, it's, it's my friend Sarah Mason. Um, Sarah, who I first uh, learned about uh, back in the, uh, the mid-90s, uh, Sarah put out her first record in 1996 and it collaborated with Charlie Peacock, who I was uh, just a, a fan and friend of. Uh, Sarah, as a singer-songwriter, collaborated with folks like Bela Fleck, uh, the angelic uh, Julie Lee and the wonderful Sam Ashworth, as well as uh, uh, Switchfoot's John Foreman, um, where there is a familial uh, connection there. It's almost unfair to watch an artist develop and mature from one album to the next to the next uh, when it's done the way that Sarah had has done it. When she first came on the scene as a young uh, singer songwriter, uh, her first album the there's the span of a couple years between albums into her second album was was such an exponential jump in artistic maturity and being able to communicate as an artist. And then even from there on to the next album, uh, even more. And it was just one of those great experiences to watch an artist come into their own in their craft. And so I would love to be able to introduce you to Sarah Mason. Sarah, how are you today? I'm good, Dan. Thank you so much. I like to ask the artists that come on the show uh, just how how you're doing. It's been such a, a weird and unusual kind of season for, for artists uh, to have more time to be creative, but also at the same time, anxiety takes over. Life uh, finds a way to uh, be an obstacle or an inspiration. So how are you feeling in this certain season and has this been a creative season for you? It has been a creative season. I think for everyone in our family actually, because we are makers and we um, enjoy that freedom. We know it's a privilege too. We have um, on our minds people who, for whom this time is very, very stressful. So we're thinking about that too. And it's interesting navigating what um, ourselves and our friends are comfortable with. It seems to bring up certain like, you know, especially now that we're moving into phase one and phase or phase two, I guess now, what it means to socially distance yourself and what a human personality is ready for as far as friendship and getting together with, with friends again. So we're thinking about those harder to talk about things. Um, but they don't seem different from all the other things that you mentioned about people have extreme differences and it's scary to figure out how to be together um, when the stakes are so weird and high, really high. Well, we're here mostly because we love to have music artists on the show. And it has been quite a while since I've been able to hear you play some music. And I would love it if you would share uh, a song with us today, would you be willing to do that today, Sarah? Yes, we would love that. Um, and because we're all stuck together so much, we've been singing and playing music together. So we wanted to do this one that's meant a lot to us and that maybe is a bit of a play on words for how it feels right now too. This is present tense. 
ethereal so sarah let's talk a little bit about um you are also a uh you're a librarian and that matters uh a lot and i want to hear a little bit uh about what that is what it's like um being a librarian in a school has that been like an incredibly um satisfying kind of work what are you seeing kids doing are they reading more or less yeah kids it's about kids reading and uh trying to connect them with the right story at the right time. It's about kind of intellectual hospitality, I guess, trying to set the table for good things to happen. I'm at a middle school, public middle school. This is this was the end of my fourth year there. And uh, it's kind of that messy middle time we all want to forget about, right, junior high, when our bodies aren't exactly in control the way we would like for them to be. But um, it's also kind of that last tender time maybe before the social self forms positively or negatively. And we have this persona we kind of put on to get through all the unpredictable things in the world, right? So there's this sweet opening that has been just about, I guess maybe, you know, we're planting seeds that we hope when need calls to knowledge, they'll remember when they need it, whether it's a story that helps them not to feel alone or helps them to 
see themselves in a mirror or walk through a sliding door or to look through a window to see somebody else's life that you don't have access to. It's a really, it's a great work. Um, and I've, I've learned a lot. I love that you think about it so, um, so missionally in, in a way. I feel like that's, that's such an important piece because even as you're speaking, I'm, I'm re- reminded that that story is such a huge part of our lives. Like we, we love the language of story. We like to describe that we're entering into a new story. We're going to be the, you know, we take on the hero role or we're a, a great sage at some point. And we're always on this hero's journey ourselves. And unless you've been really invited in to, to love stories, uh, which feels like you're on the front lines of that, you can go on a long way in life without without having a sense of purpose or mission. And that's, I feel, what, what stories do, right? So I think you are you are on the front lines. And I think uh, you might say it's dramatic, but I think it's, it's real and it's true what you're describing. Thank you. You're a literary writer. And I know that's a weird, it's a weird combination of ideas, but I think of certain songwriters and the, the words that they use, the poeticism of their lyrics. Uh, and I, and I describe them as very, um, they're, they're well-read. You can tell a person is well-read by the things that come and flow through the words they use, the lexicon. And I, I think you're one of those kinds of people. Have you found that being a reader or being a lover of literature, when you sit down to write lyrics for something and describe it, uh, you've, you've got all of this, uh, this stuff to draw from. Yeah, we're always pulling from whatever's in there, right? I mean, in fact, I think maybe Freud or Jung said something like, the inner situation is going to come out eventually. You might as well deal with it. So kind of whatever's, you know, whatever you've got in there is coming out. I do definitely do read a lot. And I think somewhere along the way, Dave and I started talking about books as like books are just people talking. So I'm I'm curious when I'm not afraid. And I think I just, I'm interested in, in particular kind of stories the way everybody else is interested in particular kind of stories. And I draw on those definitely when I'm writing, for sure. Everything's kind of appropriation, ultimately. So yeah, and books are, were a huge part of that for me. Would you, uh, would you be willing to play us another song? You've got new music, I know, also that that is surfacing. And I'm excited about that. I was just aware that uh, you have collaborated with Charlie Peacock on a song and uh, and you're working on some other new material that you're not quite finished with. And that makes me really excited. So uh, yeah, but play us another song. Okay. All right. This is one um, called When Things Fall Apart. And they do. <laughs> Lift it up 
the table of sitting with anger till it becomes sadness. Yeah, that's wonderful. We are just really grateful for you guys and just the conversations that you're having in the world, the uh, the the good things, the pottery, the music, the poetry. Uh, thanks so much for for being with us, Sarah, and for just taking your callings uh, and um, using you know, using them wisely and thoughtfully. We need more of that in the world. So. Thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Sarah. All right, I'm going to kick it back to you, Marissa. All right. Again, thank you, Dan. Thank you, Sarah. I want to thank the team, too. Um, Again, as John alludes to regularly, we keep showing up. We keep showing up because we believe uh, that there's a a space that we can carve, even in this time, for uh, for peace and encouragement and uh, the truth of God. We send it out to you all. Again, we keep you in our prayers. Remember, God is for you. He's with you. You were made for this season, for this moment. You will not only survive, but you can thrive in this moment with God. Continue to trust. Keep the faith. Lord, have your way. And guys, have a great day. Signs of Life is produced by American Awakening, a campaign for the soul of America committed to slaying the giant of death and despair in this American moment. Signs of Life is made up of Jefferson Bethke, Dan Hazeltine, Josh Jacob, John Kingston, Joel Searby, Calvin Lee, Christian Palacios, Marina Pappas, Andy Peterson, and me, Marissa Prince. The show is produced from our headquarters in Lexington, Massachusetts, and you can learn a whole lot more about the movement by visiting our website, AmericanAwakening.us. Relevant Podcast Network.